Welcome to the Big Break Software Podcast. We'll be talking with software startup founders, software coaches, and consultants, and how they found their own software success. And now, let's get started with the show. Hi, everyone. This is Jordy Wardman here, host of the Big Break Software Podcast, where I talk to top leaders in the software field like Seth Godin, Andrew Warner of Mixergy, and many more. This is a show where we talk to proven founders about their zero to 30,000 MRR journey and beyond. Today's episode is brought to you by OneStop.io. We have 45 developers waiting to take your idea to fruition. If you want a reliable, full stack development team with top talent that costs half as much as in house developers, and you know you can trust your SaaS or mobile app with us. We'll give you the first 30 days, no risk, and we guarantee you being on time and on budget, or we finish the project at no extra cost. Contact us at onestop.io. And let's talk about your SaaS project today. Today, I have Bernadette Butler, founder of StoryTap. StoryTap is a story-first, video-first enterprise software that helps big brands collect authentic video stories at scale and powerfully distribute them to grow their businesses. Bernadette will walk us through how she came up with the idea, how she found her technical co-founder and how they built their MVP and what it took her from zero to 1 million ARR since 2018. How are you today, Bernadette? I'm awesome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Good. I'm excited. Okay. So why don't we start, just maybe tell me a little bit about yourself and what's your background? Yeah, I am a, a marketing nerd. So I've always been in the digital marketing space working for massive brands. Uh, I started on the creative agency side of things and then moved quickly over to what they call client side of things. So working for the big enterprise brands directly, growing businesses via marketing. Okay, great. Did you have yet at a corporate marketing position at like one of those big enterprise companies yes, in Vancouver yes, or something? Sir. Yeah, well, national, yeah, typically nationally. Okay, national. yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. okay, perfect. So tell me what brought you from corporate world into deciding to start your own SaaS. How did you fall into that? Well, I think every entrepreneur has this like little fire in their belly that says, I want to do my own thing. I've got an idea. I'm going to do my own thing. But where the genesis behind StoryTap happened when I was sitting at corporate and I had a massive budget, an obscene multi-million per quarter budget. And I had this crazy idea that wouldn't it be great if I could collect stories for my customers and specific to the campaign I was running. Mm -hmm. And I thought, wow, that would be great. So I put a lot of money behind it. We built this thing like you know, just like a landing page with upload your video here, did an incentive, put some dollars behind it to get the word out and like nothing. I got three videos and they were crappy videos. And I thought, oh, that's a disappointment. But what it was is I was curious of like, why? Why for this specific ask did I only get three videos? And when I peeled back the onion and kind of sat with it and asked some questions and got quiet and like really paid attention, Really, the answer was obvious. It's really hard to tell a video story, especially if you're being asked by a big brand. It's a daunting task. You know, where do you begin? What kind of story? How long should it be? What should I wear? Where do I stand? What do I say? And so then I set out to solve that problem. Okay. So you were at first in the company doing this. At what point did you decide to leave? Because obviously this sounds like, is it you started on a side hustle 
or is this like after hours or you're doing it for corporate or is, did they get involved and did they like this? And is that part of the story of the founding? Sounds like a really good chapter in the book, but no, it's different. And so being a female founder, I had yeah. children. So I, you know, life carries on. I had kids. And so it was a natural in Canada, you get a year off maternity leave. I decided to leave the company at that time. And I actually started this when my daughter was four months old and I couldn't stand it anymore. It was niggling. I'm like, I've got to do it. I've got to do it. I've got to do it. So my daughter was four months old and like an idiot, I decided to start a startup. Yeah, no, I can imagine. Okay. So you're, you've got this year off and you came up with this idea, you left your job and you were just like, were you just talking to the people throughout the, the time that your early part of your maternity leave or is, were you talking to the people when you're still at corporate? No, I think, you know, once I'd left, I mean, the idea was always there. Some personal things had happened to me at the time, like I lost my dad and some real, real personal shifts of life. And when yeah. I really think I'm a storyteller, like that's what marketing is. We're storytellers. Advertising's all about stories. And when I thought through like what, what stories matter most to me, it was almost life stories and recipe stories. And like, I started to really then, when I when I mentioned that I got quiet, I started to like get quiet even with personal stories. Like if I asked you to, to, to share this recipe on video, like where, where do you get stuck? And just really asking questions. And so what happened from that point was I started to write out a business plan. I, I didn't even actually, I knew in my head I thought what I could do with it, but I didn't know anything about startup land and SaaS, and I honestly didn't know that much about it. But mm -hmm. I knew I could solve a problem. And so I'd mapped out, like just on wireframe technology, kind of what I thought it could do and how it could perform. And mm -hmm. I didn't initially think, oh, my daughter's, I have a baby at home, let's start a business. But I, I started to get active in the community and talk about this idea I had about what I want to do and how I think I can solve it. And I, I thought at the time I was going to start with personal stories and then rock it over to business stories mm -hmm. at the time and went for coffee with a few people just to talk about, you know, this is my plan. This is my vision. This is what I'm thinking. And I'd crunch numbers as you do to think about like, how big is this opportunity? Mm -hmm. And uh, that's when I landed my first investment check. I got a call that night to say, Hey, I want to invest in you. Let's do this. Uh, I'm really pumped about this. So I was like, wow, that just happened. That was easy. And I can't, I can't reproduce that. That was a crazy moment. Yeah. And I was away to the races. So that's a great uh, startup story. But so at this point, you still had nothing, right? You're just, it's just an idea. And mm -hmm. so you had, you went and it sounds like you pitched some, some VCs or angels or something like that. Friends no, and family. I, I wasn't pitching. I honestly, it, it, it's so pitching. much more innocent than that. I wasn't pitching. I had never done an invest. Well, actually I did do one pitch to a VC yeah. of which, um, as funny as this is, I forgot to feed my daughter who actually screamed, was screaming in the hallway when my babysitter showed up with this screaming baby to say, I think she needs to. Yeah. yeah. So that's a, a very embarrassing story that I have. I was having coffee with ex CFOs of companies, uh, just people in my network that I got introduced to that I thought could be interested in what I was working on, not with yeah. an intention to, for dollars. It was just, I want to do this thing. I'm going to figure out how to fund it. And it just kind of showed up naturally. Okay, great. So how much was that check, by the way? Can you tell me? Yeah, it was for 100000 
A hundred thousand. Okay. And what was this sort of agreement there? Like, did you have to presumably you had to put a value on the company? Um, how did you figure that out? Yeah, we did it on a safe. So a simplified agreement for future equity. Um, so that was pretty straightforward. It was a bit of a negotiation to kind of figure out the terms. But of course, all of a sudden, when you get an unexpected check, you have to start a company. So it was like, oh, incorporate and let's get all this stuff done so we can actually do this financing. And then one of the most interesting parts of it were that I couldn't actually take a paycheck out of that money. So oh, really? So that was part of the agreement. So yeah. you just like, okay. It wasn't papered in, but it was an understanding that the investor and I had. And okay. I took that on as a challenge, but the reality was, and I've told a lot of founders this, you know, when you're setting out to raise in Canada, raising capital is difficult. It is anywhere, but like it can be particularly difficult, especially for first time founders that aren't proven. They don't have a track record. They don't have any traction. They just have an idea. Yeah. Um, Being prepared to go like I went two years without a paycheck, like going a long time without a paycheck um, is something that you really do need to plan for. And of course, it's not everyone's journey. It was my journey. Everyone got paid but me. But, you know, the upside hopefully, you know, shows up later down the road. That's right. Okay. So, so you're, uh, I guess that your, your husband or your partner was able to sort of cover that shortfall within your family for those two years when, and you know, this, that was an understanding I'm going to work, but I promise I'm going to get paid, but it's just not right now. It was lean because I had to pay for daycare because all of a sudden I'm full time. And, you know, there was a lot of, you know, wake up calls, I think on this journey. And it was like, okay, we're either in it or we're out, but like, I think this is worth it. Let's go for it. Yeah. How much equity did you have to give that investor? Well, it's, it's a complex, it's on a safe, right? So it's- I'm not familiar with that. Oh, a safe. So a safe is, I think it came out of Y Combinator, the term of a safe is pretty common on this side of the world. So it's like, essentially there's no, you you get a discount on a future round. you can bake in a lot of different things, but you don't have to come up with a valuation ish. Uh, it's just okay, a real okay. quick and easy way to bring it. Like it's even more easy than a convertible note, so to speak. So okay. it's just like a okay. real fast um, vehicle to bring in funding. And so we haven't to date even we'll get there, but we haven't raised institutional round of funding. We've really been bootstrapped to this date. So when we do raise, which we're just getting into that right now, then, then yeah. that first investor, it will turn into equity for him. Okay, perfect. So um, have you had to raise any more than that? Or are you still running off of that? Yeah, that one? Uh, no, we did the Techstars. So we took the capital or the dollars offered at Techstars and we did a very small friends and family. So all up around 300,000. Everything okay. else we, um, okay. we've grown off our own backs. Okay, brilliant. So tell me um, then what you decide to do with that 100,000. You got 100,000. Mm. What was your first sort of steps after that? You you need to find a dev team or what was, where'd you go from there? Yeah, good question. Such a crazy world. Um, yeah, I had to figure out how to build this. I had this vision in my head. So luckily coming from a big corporation, you have a great network of folks that can do stuff. So I started reaching yeah. out to developers, found this incredible developer who was really interested to work on this much of the concept, this much of the idea. Um, and he was brilliant. And then I needed to find a UX to figure out like, how do we design this? I needed the experience to be great. And I heard about, you know, having a co-founder, but I wasn't convinced I needed one. Mm-hmm. And then I had a great cup of coffee with kind of a, a local startup 
man here in Vancouver named Keith Ithel, and he's everybody in Vancouver kind of knows this guy. And he just had yeah. a real firm conversation with me and said, this is going to go big. This is going to be tough. You really do need to think about arming yourself and a co-founder is going to help you. And I really heeded his advice and went, it's already feeling like a lot. Maybe yeah. it would be smart. And so I just started to put out feelers for a co-founder. And in fact, who I found to do my UX, um, his name is Sean Brax, and he's now my co-founder. And he started doing the UX side of the business. And then I remember the one day he said, you know, I can code too. I'm like, you can code? And he goes, yeah, like I just taught myself. So he's kind of a genius. And so yeah, yeah. Uh, again, I really lucked out there too. So we set up a call with my then developer named Alex and my now co-founder, Sean, and they talk shop and code. And he goes, yeah, like this is really reasonable and I can totally do this. And what was really great is we, we worked together. I paid him for three months to work with me and we went, wow, we really work well together. Like we had a, a synergy where he did a lot of stuff I didn't want to focus on and I did a lot of stuff that he didn't want to do. Right. We just okay. worked well together. And so I offered him, I asked him if he wanted to be my co-founder. Okay, so it was sort of on a condition, you know, after you had hired him for three months or something. When Sean started then, did Alex then leave? Yeah, the first, and Alex's yeah. plan was always to leave. So we kind okay. of, we mapped out when would be the best time. He wanted to finish these milestones and then Sean took over and Alex left. Yep. And was Sean, he was paid, did he have to leave a position or anything like that? Or was was he like a, a freelancer? What was his status at this time? Yeah, he had just done a startup that didn't actually go very well. So he was just wrapping that up. And given his skill set, he was doing contract work. He was looking to kind of jump on board with another startup. I don't know if he was necessarily looking for a co-founder position, but it was just one of those kind of magical moments where this really made a lot of sense and we yeah. really haven't looked back. And is he in Vancouver as well? Yes, he is. He is. Okay. And so how long did it take to build the MVP? I mean, when I say that, when, yeah. like, when would you get your first customers? Like how long was that project? Yeah. So our journey was a bit messy. So we um, decided to focus on a personal story being the first product MVP of a personal story. And honestly, thinking back, thank goodness we did that because we wouldn't have the tech we have today if we didn't focus on that specific story. It took us a year. We ran out of money. That was painful. Tried to raise around the capital just as we launched and couldn't, couldn't get the money in the door. Had a big girl cry, maybe had two. Uh-huh. And I'd like to hear about those, actually. Those the, are the, some of very interesting. So you run out of money. Can, yeah. you, can you get more specific, like around that pain? Yeah. The money was all going to Sean? Is uh, that, no, we- at that stage, so we were a year in. So we did a quick MVP. We were iterating on that. We were learning. We were – and one mistake I made is because the background I came from, which is marketing, I had all this budget to work with. We did big production videos to sell yeah. it and fancy websites. And I was just so, because it was a B2C play initially, I was adamant on the quality that I wanted. And that was a mistake. So we spent a lot of money doing a lot of marketing that wasn't necessary. Like we had videos right. before the product was baked. That right, was right. a mistake. Like don't do that. So we ended up, we got into the alpha program 
at Web Summit in Ireland. And I remember calling my then investor to say, hey, I'm taking the team to Ireland to showcase our tech. I feel like this is like, we're almost out of money. I think we should just do this. And in my gut, I just knew I had to do it. And the investor was like, are you crazy? You're out of money if you go to Ireland. Like, that's ridiculous. And I'm like, yeah. I just feel like I got to do it. Yeah. So I took Sean. We had a junior developer. We needed a, a few people to man this booth. It was a 40,000 person event in Ireland. Uh-huh. We were just all in. And I remember one of the junior that we brought over, a junior developer, he just wanted steak dinners. I'm like, no, 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 no. We were, t- we're French fries and chicken fingers. Like, I don't yeah. care. Like, yeah. here's your budget. And and it was fascinating because every person that came by our booth saw what we were doing from a B2C personal side and went, I need this for my business. And I said, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, really? we're going so to do that. Yeah, I'm okay. like, we're going to do that. We're going to do the business thing. And it was always my plan to like go there, uh-huh. but not yet. And then when you have person after person after person say, like, how fast could you get this ready for business? Like, how fast could yeah. you? And then we got back from Ireland completely out of money. Uh-huh. And I told my co-founder, I go, we're pivoting. We got to stop what we're doing, focus on business, bring checks in the door and figure out our next step. Yeah. So it sounds like that was kind of a breakthrough. You ran out of money, but then you got so much user, feedback, like concentrated yeah. user feedback that really was made it easy for you to pivot. Events um, are brilliant for that. Like events, I mean, we can't do them right now, but they will come back. But it is so amazing because you get, you get to work on your pitch. Because it's yeah. like this, right? Because it's over and over, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you get real live feedback. You see where they lean in, how their body changes, what lights them up, what excites them when they're giving you their business card. There's so much that happens at an event when you're pitching and demoing your tech that yeah. you really do need to like stop talking and pay attention of the response of what's happening. And that's kind of what we did. Now, what made you decide to go to Ireland? Because that sounds like an expensive one to go to. Is that because it was just what was happening at the time? Or what was the reason for that one? Yeah. Well, we had applied to get into the Alpha program at Web Summit. We thought, wow, if we could sell what we were doing, like we just did the math, like a 40,000 people to go to this thing, if we could sell 10% of them at this price point, that could afford us to get another three months to maybe buy us some time. The cost to go to Ireland, I mean, we were... Very skinny, skinny budget, like Airbnb, all of us, one room, like really, we just tried to do this as careful as possible. And Uh honestly, it was a risk. It was a bet. And I lost, like, we didn't get a sale. We got a pivot out of it. So So at the time, it must have felt like a loss though, right? Because you're like, oh my God, we didn't get anything. So you're like, we got a lot of feedback, but we didn't get to pay. got no ROI on the show. How long was it after that show? Like, what sort of time period is this? So we launched our SaaS platform in 2018. So I'm talking pre this, the journey to get there. Okay. And so again, we didn't rock it out of the gate with a SaaS version of our tech. It was like we had this really clunky MVP. And even then, back then, we didn't even have lip sync on it. Like when we were capturing videos, the lips were following the person's what they were saying. It was so annoying. We had to like edit it post. Uh-huh. It was oh, man. so stinking terrible. It took us a long time to figure out that level of tech, which is called FFmpeg, which is a whole other thing. But um, so we're talking now, um, when are we talking? 2017, probably. Yeah, around there. Yeah. So we decided to pivot to business. My co-founder was really uncomfortable with it. He really was passionate about the space that we were in, even though that was always the plan. It was just, I think we both had so much heart in 
what we thought we could do with personal stories that we weren't ready to go to business. But the reality was we had to put food on the table and we had all these business cards from people that we met in Ireland that said, call me when you, when I can use this for business. So I'm like, mm -hmm. I got to figure out one of the scariest things that I had to figure out was sales. Like I'm not a salesperson. I'm a marketer. I've been allergic to sales my entire life. Yeah. And here I am. Hi. You sound like a salesperson. I mean, you know, you're good with people and, but it was challenging for you getting Definitely. into sales. What was, what, why was that? I mean, you sound like you're very, you know, comfortable and talking to people and at the show you certainly that is selling. Uh, what was so uh, uncomfortable for you about doing sales? You know, I think it was my background being in marketing. So when you're in marketing, you always have to work with salespeople and salespeople were yeah. really challenging because they're on the front line and they need things a certain way. And as a marketer, you're kind of raised in this business to focus on the brand and the, and the key messages and the funny and like the clean headline and not all the nuts and bolts that, you know, the product right. sheets, that's not fun to work on. And salespeople need things yesterday. And it's kind of, it was always challenging. And all of my marketing peers were like, oh, sales team, you know? So I think I just grew up like, in the business, not loving that side. And all of a sudden, oh shit, I'm a salesperson. Yeah. yeah. How that happen? Yeah. 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 Okay. So what did it take to get from pivot from the, uh, you know, the B2C to the B2B the and how did you fund that? Cause you're out of money at this point. This is when you went out and got, yeah. yeah. Tell me that walk me through going, so, getting that I'll additional walk. funds. Yeah. So we didn't have any, we talked to our junior dev and said, can't pay you. So, and this was really Christmas through to January. I'm like, can't pay you. So sorry. Co-founder can't pay you. So sorry. Uh, obviously co-founder was like, at the time he wanted to leave. He left actually. And he Sean, Sean yeah. left and he wanted, yeah. he was just doing some contract work and work with other startups. I had a panic attack, wanted to work with just the junior dev can't pay you. I'm going to try to sell just, change the story to be business and see if we could just make this happen. And by the way, you have to do post editing on every video we get to make the lip sync work. And he's like, yeah. okay, let's do this thing. It was just so messy. And I was so embarrassed and we were so broke. And like my husband would like give me dirty looks in the halls. Cause I'm like, <laughs> I'm bringing in nothing and I'm yeah. exhausted and I still have small children. It was, yeah. it was, so I'm doing pitch events. I'm trying to figure out what fundraising is all about because I didn't really understand that. Yeah, yeah. I feel like I did several pitch competitions with like baby vomit all over me and just, you know, crying in the bathroom, wiping the tears, get back out there and just Oh, good for it. you. Good for you. That's a real hustle story right there. I love it. Yeah, it was hustle. That's great. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Great. Uh, so you launched, tell me about the first users. How did you, you get out and it's really bad. Like who was your first user? Like who was that first person that, so, that took um, a chance on you? Yeah, I, I actually, I took on some debt. I took a loan and I qualified because I was young enough and I was female and whatever. I ticked the boxes. And with that loan, I got a mentor and that mentor at the time was so great because he, he met with me and he goes, all right, you can't sell. You need a course. You need to figure this out. And you need some quick clients. I'm like, I do. So I bought myself some time with a loan and I started to figure out what do I need to sell? So he got me a quick course learning from a couple of young guys of really to understand that selling isn't a car salesman situation. It's what was the course? Do you remember the course? Was it a sales course? It wasn't really a, a course course. It was just two guys that were wanted to teach selling. And mm -hmm. I was kind of a guinea, one of their first guinea pigs. 
to do this. And so our agreement was that this mentor offered to pay for that. I actually don't even know what he paid for it or if he paid for it. And I just did anything and everything to try to move this, move this thing along. Um, I kept in touch with Sean and kept him abreast of what we're doing. And the, the first piece of business that we got was um, a company and it was for $8,000. I was like, holy shit. And he said, can you send me the MSA? And I'm like, yes, I will send you the MSA. And you're Googling what? it, right? What's That's what MSA? I would have been doing too. Yeah. I, was, <laughs> I don't know. I yeah. Did, yeah. And he set me up with his person and we're onboarding him onto the tech. I'm like, Onboarding. Oh, Eight thousand is sorry for the year, or what is that? Is that a monthly? You know, we hadn't because we hadn't even figured out SaaS. Uh, it was like eight thousand forever in a day. Like I hadn't figured out how to cap it. It was baked on the amount of videos. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. so we kind of anchored it to video amount, and so we, yeah, we cashed that check as fast as humanly possible. We got him an MSA that I stood there and just tried to like. That, yeah, it's pretty normal. You know, it's standard. You know, it's eight pages. You just need to sign there just to get yeah. along. Uh-huh. And then after that, we got, which was really fantastic. And what we were able to do was we were collecting authentic stories and we were directing the story, yet the story we were collecting was completely authentic. And as a marketer, yeah. the value was there because the minute that big brand or that wasn't a big brand, but they saw their videos, they were like, oh my gosh, they actually told the right story and that story is going to help us. And then I got to leverage that. And from there, we closed a few nonprofits, not for like 3,000, 5,000, but the stories we were collecting there were completely different. And holy crap, we helped one of the uh, brands, which is called Children's Wish, which is like Make-A-Wish. And we helped them raise $100,000 with one of our videos. And it was like, I never, I had never really understood or got excited about the fact that we could transform marketing for businesses in a way that's never been done. I was just so focused on the personal side because I'd lost my dad and because I had some personal hangups in that area that I didn't really consider this old version of me, this marketer, really transforming what marketing was doing at the time, all with video. Mm -hmm. But explain to me, like when you first did this landing page where you said you send all this traffic there and you got three videos and they they didn't tell the right story. What is the big difference between that and where all of a sudden people are able to give the right stories and you're getting huge conversions and responses? Can you walk me through how you solve that problem? Yes. So that's our IP and that's what we are. Hopefully in the next month or so, we'll get our patent on. Um as much as you can tell me then, but yeah. I mean, so I want to understand yeah. like how, mm-hmm. why people all, all of a sudden able to give you the right story. And here's what's really interesting. So it wasn't just like, oh, I've got it. I figured it out. It has been a journey to figure it out. And what we learned is because it is so daunting, when you're asked to tell a story, even if I were to ask you, like, can you send me a quick video tonight about what, what it's like to run a podcast? You'd be like, sure. Yeah. And then you get your phone, you're like, where do I yeah what story does she want like how like all these things start running through your head right how long how long what are you gonna say how do you start it what's the middle what's the end if you've even gotten that far and Uh we knew a really important part of that journey especially when we think through businesses is part of we need them to tell the story it's got to be a great story they have to feel good about the story 
If they don't feel good, they won't give video rights and we need them to give video rights to the brand to use it. Okay. And so it's that journey. So the person telling the story not only has to grab their phone, it has to be quick and fast. We need to give them 100% control. The story we want to collect, it needs to be great for the brand. So we have to check all these um, this is like a storyboard they go through? Is it yeah, it's, um, they record on their phone. What we do is we kind of help them tell a story. We basically give them story suggestions, but there's okay. a lot of UX involved to really make it so Seamless. easy for them. Yeah. And yeah. we also treat men and women a little differently. The psychology of telling a video story for a female is is different than a guy. Guys are a lot more, what's the word? Um you guys are a little more confident with video storytelling, so you don't care as much about the lumps and bumps, but women are really fussy and they want okay. to be really perfect. So there were all these learnings that we had to figure out as we started to see stories, as we watched the stories roll in. We're really paying attention to everything that happens on the platform to make sure that, yes, they did this within five minutes of their time. So we're accurate when we say, hey, this will take just five minutes. Um, yes, it's a great story. The brand's happy. and the person that recorded it feels good about it. That's pretty. Is there a sign off process then when they yeah. send it and then, and then um, yeah. essentially they say, yes, the, the person after the brand sees it. Yes. I like this. Are you okay? If, if we put this on our Facebook or whatever. Yeah, we give, we, we, we handle the video rights of it. The governance side, we take it a little bit further than traditional film. Like, and that's my background. So we're really mm -hmm. built for enterprise. Like there's one thing about our tech if you were to come talk to us today, it is fully secure. It is 100% accessible. Like we tick all the boxes for big, big brands that they need. They need 100% control on the videos, where they travel, how they get out there, yet they want it at scale. They want thousands of them happening at once, but with eyeballs on them. So it's a really kind of complex solution that we've had to figure out with technology in a SaaS model to make it make sense and be profitable. Okay, that makes sense. Great. So we're at this first customer. Tell me about like the next step. Then what happens? Then you're you're running on debt. Uh, I've got debt and a bit of cash coming in. A bit of cash. Yeah. I feel like a million bucks. So I one day I got three checks in the mail and like fanned them out and just sat on my couch fanning myself with checks. I'm like, this is happening. Oh my god. You're actually taking checks. Yeah, <laughs> physical <laughs> checks. Physical checks. So you didn't even have a payment gateway set up. It sounds no. Like we hadn't figured like it was not a SaaS play. Nobody could come to us and buy it. Like it was definitely yeah. clunky not perfect in any stretch of the imagination, but there yeah, was a need. I love that. It was so messy. Um, yeah. It was MVP like, like I feel like in the dinosaur age of technology. But um, so from there, Sean came back. So we, he started, like I kept him abreast of what was happening. He started to see the stories. He started to see, you know, uh, what we were able to do. And the next part, which I think is really important is we realign on values. So we had mm -hmm. to move from this to this and we had to align on what is our new vision and our mission and where do we think this thing could go? Um, and fundamentally what's important to us as founders, because it's going to get hard. We're going to have more lumps and bumps in the road. And we really aligned on this notion of being, you know, a good tech company. We want to work with good brands who do good things. We don't want to work with crappy people. We want to tell great stories. We want them to be ethical. There are some, verticals that we're not going to collect stories on. Um, and then from there, once we got realignment on, 
you know, this incredible idea that we could grow businesses off the backs of real people doing real stories that are great. Authentically, mm. all of a sudden we were like stronger than ever and away to the races working towards a SaaS version of our tech, which launched January, 2018. 2018. Okay, mm -hmm. great. So, and how did you do that realign? Was that sort of like an offsite with Sean or was it like a conver various conversations that you had to work through like over, a, was it like months or is it like days that you just went and just hammered it out? I remember the day he said he was leaving. That was a Starbucks conversation because I died inside. <laughs> I was like, okay, yeah. okay. Um, I feel like because I was just keeping him up to date with everything, and he's such a great guy. Like from the tech, he's like, I'm not going to leave you hanging. Like if there's things that have yeah. to be done, I'll do yeah, it. But yeah. I'm focused on other things. So uh -huh. he was definitely seeing what was happening. And I just think maybe it was a few months, and he walked back in the door. Kind of thing. He did. Okay. Yeah. Once, the, once you were fanning, eh? Once you're fanning yourself with the checks and he's like, okay, maybe it's all right to come back. But even then, you know, I think it was, yes, it was all of a sudden we had money, but also again, the values discussion. Yeah. Uh, and then our next part of our journey was we didn't have enough to both of us survive. So he actually side hustled doing contract work okay. while still being a co-founder. And I got to pay myself from like little bits from the money that was coming in the door. So I didn't lose my marriage and my everything. Yeah. yeah. Good. Was there any other times of acrimony between you and Sean? Or was that sort of the, the, the lowest point that you guys hit, which doesn't sound that bad. Yeah. You know, we honestly, it, we work so well together. We communicate really well. And what I love about Sean too is yes, he's, um, he's technical, but he leans in heavy to culture. He leans in heavy to communication. So we, you know, he's probably one of the most calmest persons I've ever, like, he's like this and I'm a hothead. Like I'm the one that's emotional and like, this is what's happening. And mm -hmm. I'm, I'm this personality and he's like this. So, yeah. He's even keeled. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a great, I don't think we would work if he was hothead as like, like me, we would explode. Right. That yeah. makes sense. Great. So early 2018, yeah. your launch, when did you put in the payment gateway? When did you first feel like? So our, our idea was this, we were going to go after small business and big business. If we could, we focused on the website, the SaaS version. And so obviously when you build SaaS, you want the onboarding to be automatic. You want for us, it was marketers to get into the back end of our tech to easily get, uh, you know, onboarded and, hitting success re relatively fast so they don't churn out. So right. we spent a lot of time uh, the year prior really mapping out through existing customers, paying attention, what are the roadblocks, what's happening, constantly tweaking, because for us it was really twofold. We had to almost teach these marketers of how to collect stories authentically and how to suggest this kind of story they're looking for without telling people what they want to say. So they're reading it. like you need to say I'm a great company. Like mm -hmm. we had so much learning at that stage that we were able to, to we thought build the back end to be, to be good enough that, that these marketers get onboarded easily. Um, and at the same time for us, again, totally like the fundraising, we got into Techstars, which was honestly, we met them at, it was a local Vancouver event. 
Mm-hmm. I we have a first salesperson at the stage in 2018, and she said TechStars is here, and I said, oh, well, that's great. I don't, like I know about them. Like I know it's either Y Combinator or TechStars in terms of an accelerator. Mm-hmm. At that stage, we were making money. Like we were starting. How much were you making? We were probably making yeah. um, at that time like twelve thousand in MRR, fluctuating. We had a lot of high churn, and we like it was a leaky funnel a little bit, but we were yeah. making money. We thought confidently we could figure it out and even out that churn and again yeah. it wasn't payment it was like checks in the mail and wire transfers like it was right, really right. chunky yeah those are obviously going to be easier to resolve once you have a clean onboarding with payment gateway and everything like mm-hmm. that and people calling them like how many customers was that to get to 12,000 like you what? know i feel like it really fluctuated like i don't know we were like 10 then we got to 20 and down to 15 like it was really rocky so they're each paying or between like sort of 600 and 1200 a month is that is that about right yeah every deal was different like that's a, the other part that was really interesting is pricing like there's no book out there and if you guys know of one let me know but there's no book out there that tells you this is how you price it because when you're inventing something there's always going to be a reference point and there is for our tech for your buyers of what they're comparing you to like where are they going to anchor your tech in terms yeah. of the value as much as i knew that because i came from that world it's we're still figuring it out fast forward and we're almost at a million in arr but it's still this incredible journey of assigning value to different parts of your platform but i'll go back to at this point we actually Techstars called us and said, we want yeah. you to apply. Applications are closed. Here's a backdoor link. And I was like, I don't know. You guys are going to take equity. I'm not really sure. Like, I'm an idiot at this stage because I'm thinking. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm so, like, we went from broke to, like, we're killing it at yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah, I'm an idiot. But I talked to three other founders who had been through Techstars, and they're like, really, it's, it's awesome. It's game-changing. So we did it. And that was, that was another big breakthrough then. Tell me about that. Why? Huge. And – what was so fascinating, like Techstars is incredible. So we got a convertible note. So that was, I think it was 150 for us in Canadian. So I think it was around 120 American. Mm-hmm. We understood the program, but at this stage, we felt too cool for school. Like my co-founder and I were like, we built this thing. It is making money. I can put food on the table. We're not millionaires yet, but we're onto something. So everybody better slow their roll because this is happening. We have a salesperson. Like we felt, Uh you know, we felt so incredible. My co-founder wasn't even going to fly down to Techstars with me. And I thought, you got to come. It's Techstars. So we went and all of a sudden. LA or something? Yeah. Our first version was LA. And it was the most humbling experience I've ever had. So there was 10 companies and us and honestly we we're like why are we here like yeah. they i think everybody had done a ted talk like everybody had met oprah like they were just incredible like whatever i thought how great they could be like multiply it it was just uh-huh. i felt like an imposter i was oh, like the first one was a week long and yeah. i kept telling sean i'm like why are we here how did we actually get into this thing like yeah. I, I don't even understand like we're we're we are not this caliber imposter syndrome totally mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. it was really tough and then you know fast forward out of program how i think about texas they're like family now and, and really? everybody felt like that and it's just an incredible way to level up you learn 
so much so fast. And for us, we decided we wanted to 10x. We turned on the SaaS. We thought we're going to 10x in program, and that's four uh -huh. months. And we did at a hot, and then we started to churn. And what happened yeah. out of program? So four months. We're now in July in 2018, and my managing yeah. director Ryan Cooter, who manages TechStars Anywhere, who is phenomenal, had like a meeting with us and said, "Your churn sucks. You guys are going to crash and burn. You better figure this out." What was your churn at? Do you remember? Is it like fifteen percent, or is it way higher than that? Even um, you know, I don't remember the actual number, but we just couldn't keep them on and like people staying for four months and then leaving. But what happened was, brands were using us for campaigns, so they only needed it for thirteen weeks, and they're like, "Okay, we're out. We'll come back when we need you next time." We uh -huh. had some real fundamental issues in the world of video and the kind of stories yeah. we were collecting. We hadn't figured out. I. I'm very, um, as my mother would say, Pollyanna. I'm very optimistic, and I'm like, no, no, we've got product market fit. We just need a few tweaks. And Sean, who isn't, was like, we do not have product market fit. And TechStars was like, you absolutely do not have product market fit. You are going to crash and burn. Okay, that's good. That's good. Was yeah. your mentor still around? You mentioned a mentor early, and was he still around? You know, he wanted. We kind of just drifted apart. He wanted to have a lot of equity in the company. He wanted to, it just wasn't going to work out for us. I think he just wanted to do okay. different things for the business and it didn't align to where we were. Okay. So we kind of parted ways, but through Techstars, we ended up having more mentors. And then July of 2018 was such a pivotal moment for us with Ryan because we kind of got quiet and went, what are we missing? What are we missing? And that's when we kind of figured out that we needed to really anchor around video reviews. Okay. Yeah, and that was the next, we went quiet for another three months. We built a lot of code around what, what could that look like and where else could we take these videos? What, what, what was our partnership play, our distribution play? And then let's really think through who are the companies that are getting value from us? What are their sizes? What are the pain points? What is it like to sell to them? Because it was still, we didn't really have the kind of tech where people were coming and buying and we had to pitch every single one of them. It was a demo. It was exhausting. And like for, you know, $4,000 for a year at a small business price point, it was, we were losing money. If we had to demo, yeah. we had to do all these things to bring them in the door. So fast forward today, we only sell to enterprise. And honestly, what we learned is what the tech that we had built only really makes sense for enterprise. It really doesn't make sense for small business. We have too much baked into it. Uh -huh. It's two different businesses. And we haven't yeah. decided to not do small business and only focus on big business. So what's the channel that you use to reach enterprise? Because I've tried to sell to enterprise before, and it's a challenging. I mean, once you're in, it's it's great. But it's a bit challenging to get in. What are you finding is working to approach enterprise customers? Um, yeah, it's a good question. So you need you need some. You've got to get at least one or two before they'll even talk to you because enterprise, nobody wants to go first with enterprise. So right. you've got to sell your soul, if give if, like whatever you got to do to get those logos and have examples. That's step one. Uh, for us, we've really, we're just figuring out our outbound or our inbound uh, marketing. So mm -hmm. we've gotten to this point purely by outbound. We use Sales Navigator is a great tool um, to reach mm -hmm. out. We've, we've tried the buying of the lists and stuff. And what we find works really well is being human, like reaching out to people in a human way, not in a script format. The minute we start to turn is like, okay, how do we blast 5,000 messages with all this thing and just customize their name and their like kind of those, those fast sales right, techniques, right. you crash and burn, especially mm -hmm. 
we sell to marketers and they get sold to constantly. So they actually hate salespeople. So we have to be, and it's true to our brand. We want to be so authentic and so real and so one-on-one that we get there faster with our sales journey. Okay. So are you personal? Does that mean you're totally personalizing each or you just found some software to make it more personal? The marketing people, whoever the outbound people are doing one-to-one emails, doing what five to 10 minutes of research on each person or how does yeah, it work? Exactly. Like, so sales navigator, it's a bit different. Um, you know, I, we do, we use HubSpot. Like we've, we've got some ways to really understand in general what works, but you know, we're still even at the stage, like we're still figuring out what verticals make sense for us, how fast uh-huh. we sell to each vertical, who in those verticals, what titles get us faster. You know, yeah. how do we how do we get a really fast sales cycle in? Because enterprise can take, you know, we've had one that took almost a year to close, the most painful piece of business on the planet. And I'll never sell to that vertical again because it I we lost money because there's so much work versus other verticals that we close on a call and mm-hmm. we're in procurement, but we're starting right away and everything's just smooth as butter and we're rocking and rolling. Those are the signals that I'm looking for with big brands of what big brand verticals make sense for us, um, our tech versus, and which ones are problematic and just will cost us money. Okay. That makes sense. Would you say once you'd worked with Ryan and Techstars, they sort of got you past that. So the point of the show is sort of the beginning to your big break. Would you say yeah. that was your actual sort of big break? Yes. You could pinpoint it to that time. Mm-hmm. And would you recommend that other SaaS owners really like find a formula to get in with Techstars? So like whatever you do, see if you can get in with Techstars. Would yeah. you recommend that? As a path? Yes, we we did two accelerators. So Techstars was one, and then the second was Canadian-specific, but it's called a scale-up program, Lazarie to scale-up. They were both, honestly, so incredible. I'd say absolutely get into Techstars. And one thing that I know now of how, like other other companies that got in with us, they had tried, some of them, multiple times. Like they got declined, declined, and like on the the fourth try, they got in. There were some companies that didn't have a hadn't launched yet that got in. They just textures went. These founders are going to crush it. They're they've got what it takes. Like you don't have to have launched even um, because it is such an early uh, accelerator program. Uh-huh. And one thing that they said to me that why I think it's breakthrough is I remember Ryan saying to me that, and I was already working around the clock, but he said you'll have to find your sixth gear. Like there's five gears for startup and then Techstars mm-hmm. put you in six. And I said, oh, that's bullshit. Like I'm already in sixth gear. But he wasn't kidding. Like whatever goal you set out in Techstars, you have to achieve it. And it is incredibly intense, but so transformational. And the people you get to talk to at Techstars, like in one week, I feel like I talked to Coke, Pepsi, Unilever, like you, Microsoft, it's uh, incredible. It's incredible. So they were sort of giving you intros to that. Is that what the, is that? You're what finding mentors, but because Techstars yeah. is such a global presence, they yeah. are in every country almost, I think, mm-hmm. um, and many major cities. They're always working on their network, on their investor network, on their mm-hmm. partnership network. And and also, I think when you get into Techstars, you're kind of vetted. So I could pick the phone yeah. to anyone and say, yeah, we're a Techstars company. And they're like, okay. You've been and you're putting that on your website and it's easier to get future investment yeah. funds. Especially and- when you're early stage, like even 
And so when you are early stage and you have gone through Techstars where we saw low hanging fruit to closing enterprise deals, where we went to the innovation teams who knew what Techstars were and said like, we're Techstars. And they're like, okay, we'll take the call. Yeah. So we, okay, we really great. have to align early to get those early logos to figure it out as you map yeah. it. Yeah. How much equity did you have to give to them? Can you tell me that? Oh gosh. I feel like it's, um, we're talking about in the teens or is it? In the no, 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 no. It's six. I think it's 6%. Okay. Totally reasonable. That's great to, yeah. to have, you know, that kind of networking in a significant amount of funds, like a bridge loan to get you. Yeah, it know. was great. It, it was really, really great. I, and then the next accelerator we went through was perfect for that next stage of our life where we had to figure out really figure out culture and a lot of other things to unlock us to get to the next level. Yeah, that's great. Uh, Bernadette, I want to thank you so much for your time. We're coming to the top of the hour. I mean, I really could talk about this for hours with you if you would let me, but unfortunately we do, we do have to make sure you can get onto the rest of your day. How can people find out more about, obviously they go to storytap.com, but if they want to reach out to you, it's the best way. Um, you can email me directly, Bernadette at storytap.com or also on LinkedIn. I check both. Okay. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Big Break Software Podcast with your host, Jordy Wardman. Be sure to click subscribe and check us out on the web. Keep listening and your software Big Break could be right around the corner. <music>